Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, we're done with expectant longings. Christmas is here. So my name is Joel. I'm one of the elders here, and I'm just happy that we're all together this morning. Um, I know some of you probably stayed up to midnight. I did not. I don't have that type of fortitude. <laughs> but um, if you stayed up till midnight and you're slogging through this morning and you fall asleep, it's okay. This morning only, I will give you a pass. But next week, when Trey gets back up here and preaches for an hour, you better stay awake. <laughs> As Trey mentioned, you know, kids are in the service. It might be a little rowdy. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet this morning. Uh, my goal is for us to simply reflect, think through, contemplate this past year that we just finished and this new year that is before us. And so we're going to think through that, just what does it mean for us to be the people of God? What is God calling us to? What should we resolve to be this upcoming year? So with that, let me pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your graciousness to us, your people. I pray that this morning as we think about who you are and what you have done in our lives, how you have worked over this past year and how you will work in this upcoming year, I pray that we will be a people who see that, who know that, and respond in thankfulness and joy and gratitude and love to you because of how you work in our lives. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our King and our Lord, who came into this world and is our Savior. Amen. So I'm not sure about you guys, but I actually love making New Year's resolutions. Um, generally, they end up being more of a list of goals for the upcoming year than like res- resolutions, but it's something that I really enjoy. So whether you regularly make a list or you know someone who regularly makes a list, I think we're all pretty familiar with kind of this concept of making New Year's resolutions. Um, for me, uh, I sometimes meet all my resolutions or goals. Sometimes I don't. There's one that's been on my list for seven or eight years now that I still haven't <laughs> haven't managed to to complete, but that's okay. That's kind of the nature of reflection at the beginning of a new year. One of the things that I've noticed, especially when we start talking about New Year's resolution habits, is that we have a tendency as people to make these big, wild promises to ourselves. They're grandiose, like, I'm going to go and work out seven days a week for two hours a day at the gym, and it's going to be great. Or uh, I've also, I'm guilty of this, I've been like, you know what? I am going to read my Bible every single day for an hour. I don't know about you. Those are good resolutions, but uh, they might be a little bit far-fetched in terms of habits to keep up with. The skeptic in me, whenever I hear resolutions, big, grandiose plans like that, I always think, "Mm, give it two weeks, maybe a month. We'll see how you're doing then. 
And that's not because these are bad things, but mainly I'm a skeptic about these type of big changes to our habits or our lifestyles because generally they're rooted in new year and new you. They're not rooted in anything deeper than that. When I think about habits, lifestyle, outlook changing in our lives, I always have to question, what's the motive? What's deeper down that's causing us to reflect, to think about these things, to change? Because if it isn't anything more than just kind of surface level, I'm going to be a better me, then two weeks down the, down the road, a month down the road, when our lives hit, when regular life crowds in, when kids are going crazy, or when work is hard, all these big plans, these grandiose ideas that we had for the new year fall by the wayside. And so every year, I've found when I set out to make a list of goals or resolutions, it's important for me to take a step back and kind of contemplate what did this last year entail? What happened? What went well? What didn't go well? Was I pursuing God? Did, God, did I see God working in my life? Was I following after him? Was I listening to his calling? Was I maybe rejecting his calling in some areas of my life? Was I thankful for his blessings? I found that going through, putting things in perspective about this past year, asking myself, ultimately, what were my loves? What were my motivations? Is incredibly helpful as I'm thinking through my goals and my resolutions for the year. Many times, the questions boil down to, for the upcoming year, what do I want my loves, my affections to be? And what do I want my motivations to be? When I start contemplating those two questions and reflecting on those two questions, it helps me think properly about my goals and my resolutions for the upcoming year. So as I've been doing that this past week, one of the things I've been contemplating about is not just for me personally, what do I want my motivations and my loves to be, but what are my hopes for us as the people of God in this upcoming year? For those of us who call Christ Lord, who see Jesus as king over our lives, what should our priorities be? What should our focus be? What should our motivations be? What should our loves be? Or to put it a different way, how would we want to be described? And so that's really what we're going to contemplate this morning. We're going to be brief. We don't have, we're not going to take a whole lot of time to do this. But I thought it would be helpful for us as the people of God to contemplate these things. So to do that, we're going to open up to Psalm 145 as our guide. Um, so this is a psalm written by David. And as I read through it, we're just going to do the first 13 verses. Uh, I want you to listen for two different things. Listen to the actions or habits that the psalmist David is going to be engaged in or has been engaged in, and likewise what the people of God have been engaged in. And then the second thing is, what is the motivation behind these actions or these habits? So what are the actions or habits that are described, and what's the motivation behind those actions or habits? So this is Psalm 145, verses 1 through 13. 
I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. So there's a lot that's in that passage. Um, There's a lot that David says he is doing or the people of God are doing. So let me briefly run through that list for you. He says he's going to extol God, bless God's name, praise God's name, commend God's works to each other, declare God's mighty acts, meditate on God's wondrous works, speak of God's mighty deeds, declare God's greatness, pour forth fame on God's goodness, sing of God's righteousness, give thanks to God, bless God, tell of God's power, make known God's deeds, and speak of the glory of God's kingdom. Okay, I counted 15 resolutions there. That's a lot. <laughs> but I think when we, when we think about that and kind of contemplate on that, what, what David's boiling it down to is that the people of God are going to be thankful and they're going to worship God, both personally and corporately. Those are the actions that David is describing there. And what's the motivation behind that? Well, he speaks of God's mighty works, what God has done, his mighty deeds and saving and redeeming his people. David speaks of God's graciousness and mercy in action to a wayward people who rebel against him constantly. David speaks of a motivation through God's steadfast love in action. So in this passage, when we look at it, when we look at what the people of God are doing and why they're doing it, we see that the people of God are people marked by worship and thankfulness to God because of what he's done for them in the past and how his character and love is revealed in the present. That makes sense. If we step back and we think about David, the writer of that psalm, he's seen the goodness of God in his own life. He's seen it over and over again. Maybe to highlight a few key points there. From a young age, David was chosen to be king by God. We also see that in David's life, when he got chosen to be king, uh, the current king, Saul, did not enjoy that very much and tried to kill him on multiple occasions. But God, once again, loved, cared, watched over David. We also know that God's goodness was shown in David's life when God showed him great mercy and forgiveness when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed, tried to 
pass it off. Again, God's love and graciousness was shown to him. And personally, he also was protected from being killed when his son Absalom decided to overthrow David's kingship and take the kingship for himself. In all these actions, we see God's goodness and graciousness to David. So when I think and read through this list, I'm like, yeah, David, I can see why you're thankful, why you're, why you're grateful, why you want to worship God for all these good things in your life. But I think it's important that as we're reading this psalm, we also realize that's actually not primarily the things that David is talking about of why he's thankful, why he's, why he's praising God or worshiping God. Really, David is pointing to the mighty acts that God's people have seen God work in the past and in the present. So let's take a step back. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, they were called by God through Abraham. Abraham was told, pick up, move your family, go into the land that I'm going to give you. And so God called the people the people of Abraham, the people of Israel, to be his chosen people for no other reason than God's good and gracious love. And we also see God's goodness and his greatness, his vast love shown in bringing the people out of slavery in Egypt. It's like the defining moment where God's character is revealed to his people. It's the thing that the people of Israel always point back to and say, hey, that's our God. That's what he's done in the past. We can trust him. We know him. We know his character, his goodness, his graciousness to us. We also see that in making a covenant with this people, God was gracious and loving. His character was revealed, especially when the people of God rebelled against him. Don't remember? Uh, we, you may remember, we talked through the book of Deuteronomy. We talked about how the people of God, you know, Moses went up onto the mountain at Sinai, received God's law, brought it down, and the people of God were having a big party around a golden calf. I'm not sure if you guys remember that story. Complete rebellion against God, and yet God did not wipe them out, did not choose a different people for himself, but instead in his love and graciousness, in his character being shown, he had mercy. Over and over again, we see the cycle of God's character being shown to the people of God as a whole. And so here, when David is talking about God's graciousness, his love, his mercy, his great actions, his mighty deeds, he has this entire idea, this entire picture of the history of the people of Israel before his eyes. And he's worshiping and he's thankful for what he, what he sees. So I think the motivation that we see here from David to worship, praise, be thankful for the mighty acts of God, I think that's the same type of outlook that we as well are called to have. David calls on the people of God to love God, to be thankful, to worship him. And likewise, we as Christians, in light of the resurrection, are called to be a thankful and worshipful people. So let's reflect. Let's think about this past year in your own life. Would you say that your life this past year was marked with thankfulness to God in the way that David describes it here? Would you say that this past year, your worship of God looked like what David describes here in this passage?
I'll be honest with you. I don't think mine did. When I think back about my life over the past year, I see fits and starts of worship and love and thankfulness, but it also within seasons of dryness where maybe my heart and my love and my affection was not focused on God. And I want you guys to know, if you're in the same place that I am, in reflecting and thinking back over this past year, that's okay. Part of the reason why God calls us to reflect and think through and contemplate is so that we see, we understand, we know, and we can reorient it and refocus our motivations and fix our eyes on Christ. I also want to say that when I read this passage, I want and I desire for these things to be true in my own life, to see thankfulness, worship, praise of God for his mighty acts and his mighty deeds. I want to see that overflowing in my life. And I also want to say that as the people of God for this upcoming year, that's my hope, and I know it's the hope of the elders as well, that we will be a people marked with thankfulness and worship for what God has done for us, for how God's character has been revealed in his actions toward us, his people. So, kind of to wrap this up, my hope for us as a people isn't that we would simply read our Bibles every day, though that's a good thing, and I really encourage you to do it. My hope for us as a people is not simply that we would be nicer or better people, though those are good things. My hope for us as a people is not that we would simply show up on Sunday mornings or be part of a, a gospel community, though those are good things, and I do want them for you. My hope for us as the people of God, both individually and corporately, is that we'll be a people who remember his mighty works, see his graciousness and goodness to us in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and that we will be a people thankful and worshipful because that permeates every aspect of our lives. So I actually have two resolutions this year around this hope in my life personally. The first resolution is every single morning when I wake up, I want to preach the gospel to myself. I want to remind myself that Christ died and he rose again for me, a wayward sinner. Because I've found in the past when I do that on a regular basis, my eyes are fixed on God, his mighty actions toward me, and I can't help but be thankful and worship him. And then the second resolution that I have for this year is when I go to bed, I want to think about how God has worked in my life that day and praise him and thank him for his goodness and mercy. Your resolutions might look different, and that's totally fine. But my hope is, as you contemplate what does this new year bring, both for you, for your family, for us as the people of God, that you'll take some time and think through what does it mean to be thankful, to worship God rightly, for that to permeate your life, and what actions or habits 
should you be building to make that a reality? So that's my encouragement to you for this year. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and graciousness to us. We confess that we, we rebel against you. We don't have hearts that are turned fully toward you. And we pray that this year that you would continue to work in us, that spirit, you will continue to change our, effects, uh, our affections so that we love you more. I pray that we would see the goodness and greatness of Christ who came into this world as a human, as a baby boy, who lived a perfect life, who loved and cared for people well, who went to a brutal death and then rose again on our behalf. I pray that this permeates every aspect of our lives and brings us into full and right worship before you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.